Okay, uh, hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of TSA. So this is episode number nine, and in the house today is a very, very, very special guest, who is actually my brother, Cedric. <laughs> <laughs> Finally! Finally, finally, finally. Welcome to the <laughs> Yeah. How's it going? The people been waiting. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm 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 alive, man. I'm I'm keeping on. I'm I'm quarantining. Uh quarantine, quarantine, quarantine. Yeah, quarantine. How's everything going in Zim? Yo, the mm. weather, my guy, the weather, it's hectic. This yeah. morning, I, I could swear it was probably minus four, man. But right ah, now, it's Zim isn't that bad, though. <laughs> right now, it's burning. I'm, I'm, I'm in mm. the car, up, I'm sweating. Uh, yeah. oh, my goodness. <laughs> I think that that is what's frustrating about winter in Africa, like, it's so hot um in the afternoon but then when you wake up and when you go to bed it's like super cold like temperatures just drop but and, and yeah all my friends in the diaspora mm-hmm. they always say you know the thing with uh zim yeah. is you don't have central eating <laughs> Uh, but it's not a requirement though like i don't think it's necessary like you can actually get away with just a heater honestly well they're saying that uh, it makes the house colder so they've got central heating in the houses and everything so mm. it, it's a bit warmer but then in zim you you need to feel the chando man the chance <laughs> uh, you feel it and then so tomorrow the, the weather's better it gets better like i actually think zim has good weather but anyways we digress <laughs> <laughs> so today we actually um are just going to be talking about the journey of an entrepreneur and everything that led to well i'd say you making this decision um and yeah, like just enlighten us on what it's like, especially within, you know, the Zimbabwean context and everything that yeah, you think can be better or what you're hoping for and where you see yourself. So just to get started, um, yeah, how did you actually decide and choose to be an entrepreneur? Well, um, I can actually say I didn't choose entrepreneurship. It chose you. Um, <laughs> it chose me. <laughs> touche, touche. Um, okay. You know, okay. I don't, I don't know if you remember this uh, when we were in primary school. Yeah. Um, uh, well, Which no, primary I was about school? Like, you know, I went to a couple of primary schools. <laughs> no, the the one we went to together. Uh, where I was fat, if you remember that primary school. I was about to name the year, but then I remember, <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> we ain't trying to be doing that. No, but yeah, we're, all um, old. we're all old. We all know we're, we're like growing up, so it's all good. So yeah, at that primary school. Mm-hmm. Where we used to walk to go to school. I don't um, know if you remember that. SOS. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. 
But I, mean, I don't know if you remember. There were times, yes, there were times when we used to walk, but there were also times when we used to get rides. So true, true, true. Uh, uh, um, do you remember that uh, during break time, mm-hmm. in certain instances, I I wouldn't go for break, and we used to sell my Zapnex. Recall, I do not. Recall. That was a, it was decades ago, man. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so that's 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 when I got the calling to mm-hmm. to just be different, you know. Because during break time, when yeah. all the other kids were playing, um, I would be selling my Zapnex to the other kids. Um, it was about five of us, and um, mm-hmm. the we used to. Um, do that with us was Mr. Mija. He's late now. R.I.P. I remember his name. Mm. Yeah. So uh, you know, in in hindsight, it was a hustle for him. <laughs> and then he used to use you kids. Exactly. <laughs> what do they call labor, it? Child man. labor. Child labor. But you got the profits, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you so, so what happened now? We've already named the school, so I mean, I really don't want a scandal. We we used to get paid like it, it was empowering because mm. at the time I think I was eleven. Um and Everyone else was playing, and the economy was so stable back then. Yeah, <laughs> I'm giving indication right. of the time period. <laughs> <laughs> the economy was so yeah. stable, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, well, I might, I might as well just say it. We used to have those old notes. <laughs> like ten percent dollar was actually worth something. It was, it was. I think it was uh, around the period um, 99, eh? Um, mm. And then um, kids would come to us, all right? Yeah. And they'll be buying these Zapnex. Uh, you'd have kids getting $5 notes, kids with 50 cents, um, 50 cents. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no pun intended. But anyway... <laughs> Um, with five dollar notes, and kids yeah. used to get a hundred dollar note pocket money per day. That was huge. Yeah, that's that was major. Was a lot. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you have these young kids coming to you, um, and they're like, "Okay, I want a packet. I want two packets, whatnot." Yeah. And we knew nothing about um about money, really, like how it works, how mm-hmm. much value it has, besides. Uh, purchasing to my pinky trade with church yeah, or yeah. purchasing uh, my putty and your your frizzard. Uh, remember those those uh, cigarette sweets? What were those things exactly. called? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Apple. Yeah. You know, my goodness. You know mm-hmm. the things they used to sell us as kids. Yeah. <laughs> my, my pinky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cigarette sweets. Oh my goodness. So you know, kids back then, they would um, they wouldn't give a hoot about change. They'll be like, "Ah, keep change." It was a big thing. They wouldn't. What? I'm I'm telling you, it was like, "Keep change, keep change, keep change." (laughs) But at the end of the week, you'd see that I'd have like, to me, I'd have like five dollars in my pocket, and there's like a ton of money for me. I'm like, "What?" 
<laughs> the one you do with the money. Mm. I can't recall now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that you can't recall. <laughs> uh, I think I was just no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Actually, funny story. I'm actually coming from um, Parktown shops right now. We're just buying some supplies for the drums we're doing. And I was looking at one of the old dilapidated buildings. Yeah. We used to bunk going for sports uh, to go play games at, at, at that shopping center. <laughs> but it's <was> quite jedi. <laughs> wow. Yeah, man, man. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> I think that's where some of the that's money where went. That's the profits went. Uh... Yeah. Because <laughs> he was a Thomas Street Fighter. Well, they, 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 one game, one game, man. 20 cents is gone already, gone. man. Uh, yeah. So for me, that's mm. uh, in hindsight, that's when, mm. that's when I got the calling. Fast forward to boarding school. Yeah. Um, when I was in Form 2, we had a solar eclipse. Mm-hmm. You know. I think I remember that time, yeah, because we all got them shades. Mm. Exactly, but we mm. um, at the boarding school I was at, we couldn't afford for all the kids to get those. So, so people were just supposed to go blind. <laughs> no, we we're actually just told it's happening. Like, don't class. look. <laughs> don't look exactly, precisely. <laughs> so I was like, I, I used to. Um, I was like, uh, I, I want to see though, you know. Mm-hmm. So the classroom that we had. Um, was adjacent to some other building, low-level building, but the windows were on the roof level of that other building. I don't know if I'm making myself clear. So from my classroom, you could jump on the roof of the other building. Okay. So what I did is I I jumped on the roof just as the eclipse was starting. Then I put, you know, those small mirrors. Um, I'm going to get that plastic lining. Um, Yeah. Anyway, I put a small okay, mirror yeah. outside, then yeah. I put a reflection on the, the classroom board. Okay. So and as then... the eclipse was happening, you know, you could see the shade on the board that, okay, it's getting darker, it's getting darker. Uh, so that's, okay, <laughs> interesting. That was our vision of seeing the eclipse, but um, to me, that was my first encounter with um, actively thinking mm-hmm. outside of the box, you know, because actively yeah. being innovative. Yeah. Essentially that that is the nature of uh, being an entrepreneur. You need to actually um, like check what the market ne- needs and uh-huh. give the people what they want. That's basically uh-huh. Uh-huh. it. Yeah. True, true, true. And um, my, I think my second encounter at uh, boarding school was, Mm-hmm. When I founded um, uh, a hospitality club, you know, yeah, it was a gimmick to try and get um, access to funding and also access to <laughs> leaving the boarding school so you can go and interact with other girls' schools. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, of course, of course. Like I think we, we all know, like you know, if you are. Um, at a mission school in Zim, a boarding school, and it's a um, single-sex school, 
then you uh-huh. know like the rules yeah were just very very strict in terms of um how you'd actually interact with um other people and kids of um the opposite sex and also most of the times yeah these schools are quite far out so yeah just sure. getting that opportunity yeah. to actually go out uh and go visit other schools so, yeah it was just quite tough so if, if you weren't like you know playing sports or doing debates interacts and whatnot then you never really got that chance even choir like choir was actually a big thing mm. True, you never true, really got true. that chance, so now I totally get you. Mm. True. So, um, after that, um, I would say, fast forward to the first crisis, fuel crisis in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, was it 2006? 2006, 2007. I think I was working there. I think it was probably 2007, because 2006, um, I was... I think then, well, okay, then maybe I don't recall because then I was like still in boarding school. So maybe no, it was some, 2007. Of things, some of these things I wouldn't have like, you know, taken like note of. But I know 2007 when I was a day scholar, then like yeah. I know things were actually starting to get a bit rough in Zim. So yeah. I would say I know like the 2007, 2008 struggle because I was like hmm. at home and you could actually see um, all these things happening. So there was a fuel crisis. It was 2007, actually. Yeah. And um, I used to go to work. Um, I think I was working at Barclays back then mm. um, as, as a voucher, as a clerk, voucher yeah. processor, data capturer, ETC. And um, there was a taxi guy that used to park by the village there. Um, doing doing nothing so i was about to swear sorry <laughs> <laughs> am i allowed to you on on this platform <laughs> this is a free and open platform you know it's express your feelings i was doing fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> daily so what yeah. i used to do because yeah. um i used to get access to fuel from the coupon system in the bank yeah so I, I would uh, fill up 20 liter uh, containers, leave the containers with the guy, then at the end of the day, come back and pick up um, my money and containers. Mm-hmm. And it was going very well, and I was actually um, expanding yeah. back then. I don't know if this would be called a legal business, a moral business, but in entrepreneurship, um, Okay, maybe we'll get to that a bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when I had my first very difficult experience with um, hustling, entrepreneurship. Um, yeah. Trying, trying, zama, zama. You know, here's the things. Um, but at the time, um, just to take you a bit back, like you said, you were employed. So the uh-huh. question is, were you just not happy with, the remuneration or is it just was it just uncomfortable for you to have a nine-to-five like is it something that just didn't sit well with your spirits oh yes uh let me uh confirm that last part with you um i was 19 and going to work for me was not like an achievement it was like ah 
I'm just going to work, you know, but I had like wild, wild dreams and, and all that, you know, mm-hmm. um, so at 19, it was just, ah, you know, so I'd, I'll get to work and then I'm just being, I'm clowning, I'm just being me, you know, and everyone else is so serious and they're so focused. I'm like, ah, whatever. If I get they fired. They knew, they knew that they depended on this job. Like, you know, without a exactly. job, like without the next paycheck, they were going to be like a quarter to poverty. Okay, well, not to exactly for them, but then like, I mean, generally that's what you see with anyone who's doing anything. Like without that job, without that next gig, without, you know, that thing that keeps the money coming in, you're honestly a quarter to poverty. So they had to be serious about their job, but you clearly, True. you know, you had a choice and you were still very, very young. True. But um, to that as well, I found so much passion in, in doing um, the fuel arrangement that I was doing with mm-hmm. um, that taxi guy. I don't remember his name now. Yeah. Then um, I remember we, we bought a lot of fuel at one point. And as I came back from work to go collect my containers and money, mm-hmm. the guy was not there. <laughs> I was devastated. Yeah. Tried calling the guy. Nothing. The guy would not pick up. And all this Tried happened without a contract. It was just a word of mouth agreement. Like, exactly. Yeah. And remember, this yeah. was black market fuel, so... Mm. Um, it wasn't exactly above board. Yeah. Um, I lost a bit of money from that, you know. Mm-hmm. And and it hit me hard. Yeah. Um, it hit me very hard. And you know, after that, I think I left for varsity. Mm-hmm. Then my my next stint with trying to be, um, independent was probably my most devastating stint ever. Yeah. Uh, that's when I tried to start um, a property business, a uh, mm-hmm. rental business mm-hmm. for students. My goodness, you know that was a that was quite an experience. So what I had going was, I would identify places where students could stay. Yeah. And um, I would secure those places because it was very difficult to secure. Um, to secure a unit to stay in mm, off okay. campus. Mm-hmm. So I would secure and put the lease in my name. All right. Mm. And then and then I'll bring in the students. And then what sublet, basically sublet. Exactly, which is very, very illegal. Don't do that, kids. <laughs> well, I, I'd say it depends. It depends on the lease agreement, but... Um, the lease agreement stated do not sublet. Yeah, so that's, that's what I was actually coming, coming to, that if the lease agreement states that you shouldn't sublet, then it's illegal. If it states that you can, then it's fine. But honestly, I haven't come across a lease agreement that states that you can sublet because it's quite a risky business. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, it, it all depends on what the lease agreement says. So at this point, we've established yours said do not sublet, but you went ahead and you did that anyways. Mm. Exactly. And um, to to make my um, arrangement better for for my students, 
I would put furniture in um, in those units. Wow. So what would happen is some of the students would prepay and then some would pay on a monthly basis. Yeah. So it ended up being some type of uh, a pyramid scheme where if one unit failed to pay, um, everything would come tumbling down because all the other units mm -hmm. that had prepaid um, had... Uh, had bought the furniture for every other unit because yeah, yeah. all of the units were furnished. Mm. So in the long run, it would have worked out to be a very good business um, because the demand was very high back then. And now it's probably times a hundred. Yeah, the university like was students, still mm, students accommodation, it's, it's actually quite a big thing um, here. Like there's, there's just not enough. Yeah. Like seriously, so, like every single year you just hear about this, how people um, honestly just don't have places to live and res doesn't have enough rooms and then external accommodation also. It's, it's just sometimes difficult to secure or it's just too expensive. So my God, it's, it's really such a big thing. So um, as everyone else can guess, Mm -hmm. One of the units failed to pay. <laughs> How did you then, get um, yeah. these students? Like, was it just one of those, okay, you're a student, I've got, I don't know, a copy of your ID, your passport, and then, um, yeah, you can take the, the place. How did you vet? Like, did you even check credits? Did they have, like, someone who... Um, signed a surety, like some form of insurance. Yeah. Well, those are very good questions where everyone should take lessons from. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to do uh, background. You need to make sure you tick all the boxes. That's very, very important yeah. mm -hmm. in anything that you do. I never did that. Mm. I was just excited. I just saw the bigger picture where if it had popped off, you know, I was going to be like a property tycoon. So, yeah. Wow. Did life not give me a massive reality check? My goodness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So everything, basic. everything, everything tumbled in my life. Everything. Like yeah. literally, that was the lowest point of my life for a good two, three years. Um, that was the lowest point of my life, you know. But the thing with yeah. um, entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. is it's like that that person you're so in love with but doesn't love you back nah you it know? can't be like that <laughs> <laughs> no I'm, I'm not like I'm that. Work, work, work with me work with me okay you're there mm -hmm. you're there trying to say no no i don't want to be with this person anymore you know i'm not mm -hmm. trying to be looking at their status i'm not trying to be looking at their profile picture um i'm not trying to be thinking about them but then mm -hmm. every single thing is is just pointing you in that direction you know so, so you say this, this is the case all the time or sometimes sometimes that's what so, it's like sometimes it's better where like you know the love is returned and everything is reciprocated yeah so i'll tell you from my perspective and from the perspective of books I've read from uh, yeah. the successful uh, innovators, 
uh, entrepreneurs, inventors, etc. Um, in my perspective, it's it's really a tough relationship with um, entrepreneurship. Yeah. You know because you you have this drive, this passion. You know to want to make it work. Mm-hmm. But the reason why not everyone's an entrepreneur, business owner, innovator, inventor, is it's a very cruel, um, it's a cruel path to take in life. There's no security. No, there isn't. The highs are really high, Mm -hmm. and the lows, the lows are extremely low. So you're like uh, caught in between this, uh, bipolar, so to speak, <laughs> um, mm. paradigm of extremes. Like the rush that you get when you you get a meeting and someone says yes. <laughs> yeah. You know that rush you get. Um, let me let me just digress a little bit. In 2010, I was in South Africa for the World Cup, mm-hmm. and a friend of mine came to me and he was like... The football World Cup important. for people that don't know. But I'm sure everyone knows. All our listeners must know. 2010. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and a friend of mine came to me and he was like, no, I've got a shipment of body flags. That was quite innovative. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a flag that you could wear. Yeah. It's coming through with all the big countries. Um, let's try and sell them, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. First thing I did was I reached out to pick and pay South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got in touch with the chief uh, procurement guy. I think I still have the, the emails in my Gmail or something. Yeah. And he told me, no, we can work with you, but you have to have um, VAT registration and all that. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. I was a foreigner, ETC. Mm. Um, then he was like, I can I can connect you to one of our partners who actually supplies stuff to to us as well. Yeah. And then you guys can work out an arrangement and all that. <laughs> this Sorry, was not oh, bless mm-hmm. you, bless you. This was now a week before the World Cup, you know. And I mm-hmm. spoke to the guy, and his margins were were quite well. It was business, you know. Yeah. But it was a situation where we would make ten rand off of every flag and so was it worth it we ended up backing out of the deal because it was a week before the world cup so mm-hmm. uh it really didn't make any sense to yeah. to continue to try and stop them and pick and pay however what we did is all right sorry i was trying to point to the fact that the highs are really high mm-hmm. you know getting that meeting getting that arrangement and getting the possibility of having your body flags and pick and pay South Africa, my guy. Yeah. <laughs> the highs are, it's like nothing you've ever felt before. You, you, you do a lot of, um, in, in your line of work, when you do uh, a, a deal or is it an arrangement for someone and it's approved there and then, and it's like big, that kind of rush, you know what I mean? Like I'd say, honestly, in my industry, um so many things take a lot of time 
So uh-huh. for um, transparency purposes, the whole tender process um, often tends to be quite, quite long because uh, you put, you know, your everything together, you send the deal forward, you have a couple of meetings, and then, you know, if you're shortlisted, then hopefully you can present everything to the client. And then they have a look at the numbers. And unfortunately, with the way the economy is going, the numbers are quite a big thing. So then they'll probably ask you to shave off, you know, a couple of costs, CTC. You relook the items again. They have a look at the numbers again. Then they possibly agree. Then now you have to see how to make it work. And then um, yeah, eventually you get the job. But even at that point when you get the job, initially it's quite exciting. But then you just have to still um, make sure everything runs smoothly. So up until the point where we signed the final accounts and we're done with the contract and we've agreed on the final number of the contract with the contractor, that is normally the point where, you know, we get that amazing ecstatic feeling. But it's oh. like a long journey. So yes, getting exactly. the job is great and all. You you get that happy feeling, but then you still need to make sure you complete the job successfully in order for you to also secure future jobs. So I'd say with us, honestly, um, if you ever get into construction, um, I'd say even anything property related, real estate, it's never going to be a get rich quick scheme never like you have to put in the hours and it takes a lot to actually make it successful because you you really just need to be focused and you need to do the work to get the rewards so true yeah so (laughs) yeah that's what it is Mm. but confirm the rush that you get like i said at the end when i know it was a job well done and I managed to finish everything within the budgets that I sent through to the clients, then yes, that's like, yay, (laughs) amazing, it's done. That's the rush that comes at the very end for me, yeah. All right. So when when you're doing deals or trying to sell something or, you know, coming up with an innovation and you get a yes, Mm -hmm. I've never experienced anything as exciting as blood rushing as uh invigorating Mm. as getting approval it's like validation that your wayward um approach to thinking to life is um is actually worth Mm. yeah it's actually worth looking into you know yeah no, I, so, feel you. I definitely feel you. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the highs are really high. But then if we go back to my story, the lows can actually cost you. You yeah, know, then everything you, you, comes at a price. So like for you, um, you're talking litigation, you're, you're talking depression. Mm. Um, have you watched that um, Elon Musk uh, video where um, he was talking about SpaceX? and how he wants to launch uh, rockets into space and all the top um, rocket scientists are saying, nah, don't do it. Hey, you can't do it. And he, he literally almost cried. Mm-hmm. 
Have you watched that one? Like I watched uh, one of these videos, but unfortunately, I actually didn't didn't watch the full thing. So uh-huh. yeah, so I'm not I'm not sure if that's the one because I didn't get to that part where he cried. But then I just got to the well. There was some part where I think he was saying that he just had to put himself out there and be the engineer or whatever, or he had to train himself um, because. He was going after what he wanted and you know if no one's going to give you what you want you have to be that person to give yourself the things that you want that's very deep that's mm. very very deep you know and literally there are times where you want to cry when things are not working out there are times you can actually mm-hmm. cry in other instances you know for other things but deep down you know oh snap it's because my ish is not working out <laughs> nah, i feel you i feel you. Mm. you know so the highs are really high the lows are really low that's why i was giving the analogy of a, a toxic relationship where you're the one who's really in love you know the highs mm-hmm. are really high mm-hmm. and the lows are really really low mm-hmm. yeah when when yeah. you get that love reciprocated you're like, wow, yes, life is good. So then, then mm. you can't let go. That's the thing. So as much as you you try to mm-hmm. to think of going via formal employment and not doing your own thing, yeah, you find that you're irritated by things like someone trying to be the boss of you. You know, mm-hmm. having to work a schedule uh, where you're told come in at this hour, leave. A, I'm not shading or um, bashing formal employment. Formal yeah. empl- empl- employment, sorry. Formal employment is very important. It's good. It's stable. It is. Mm-hmm. However, the way I'm wired, I can't. You know, as much as I try to want to do that for to provide for my family, mm-hmm. you know, deep down I'm like, this is not working for me. This is not me. You know, the calling yeah. is, I need to be doing my own thing. Now, I definitely understand you. Um, but I just don't believe in staying in a toxic relationship. Like, no matter the situation, whether it's, you know, a romantic relationship, a friendship, um, it's just not worth, you know, you staying in there. So if you are comparing your entrepreneurship journey to that relationship that's giving you, um, what do they call it? Unrequited love. At what point do you actually call it quits? At what point do you look at a project and decide, you know, this is actually not working. This is only doing me more harm than good. I should actually leave this. I should just cut it out. So the thing with um, a toxic relationship is when you're in it, you see things differently from the way other people see things. Yeah, true. You you experience things differently from the way other people experience things, you know. When someone else is telling you, no, that will not work, you're being driven by passion and this conviction that this will work, Mm -hmm. you know. So with entrepreneurship, it's toxic in the sense that you don't always get rewarded. Um, I'll tell you, in my lifetime, easily, 
I've got at least a hundred uh, different ventures I've tried, you know. But with yeah. each and all every in the same venture, field or all different. No. And were these no, also I'm, things I'm, that you had like major experience in? No. The thing with me now, I don't. I'm different, um, mm-hmm. and I hope uh, when I do succeed, um, this can help someone who's. Um, when I do succeed, this can help someone who's looking up to. To exploring their their passion for different ventures. Mm-hmm. So I've had numerous ventures. I told you about my earlier life selling. Yeah. I've tried property. Uh, I've mm-hmm. tried transport business. I've tried black market fuel. Um, I've tried a lot of things. I've tried media. Yeah. And I've been successful in some of these things. And someone asked me a question the other day. Mm-hmm. Why do you touch something and let it go? You know, that was a very... Um, interesting question and I had a lot of self-introspection <laughs> yeah. afterwards mm. but I believe personally that my path is a calling mm-hmm. so when something is a calling everything doesn't always make sense but the inner Not conviction always. tells me mm-hmm. the inner conviction tells me that move in that direction so if i was to say i get a trigger that tells me this will not work yeah let it go i will never say that but i get a trigger that tells me that this path that you've been on taught you a b c d and e and then someone told me as well that uh, young man, what you're doing is pieces of a puzzle. So every move you make is a piece of a puzzle. Now, what, One day, all the pieces will come together and you'll have the full picture. So with every single experience I've had in my life, it's been a piece of the puzzle. And sometimes when I go through another process, I realized that from that failure, I understood how to do certain things in a certain way in the new uh, experience or endeavor that I'll be pushing. No, I I totally get you. Uh, Without a doubt, I definitely believe that everything we go through in life is only preparing us for what's to come because there's so many instances where I have been to certain places, like literally been at a certain place, certain situation, only for me to come back months later, years later even, and actually be living around that area, working around that area, involved around that area somehow. So now I definitely agree with you that everything that we go through is really just you know, a piece of the bigger picture, the puzzle. And at some, at some point, you know, all the pieces come together. True. Mm-hmm. I guess, um, to say it's, it's a toxic relationship, uh, maybe might uh, dissuade other people from wanting um, to pursue it. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, it's a difficult path to take. It's not as glamorous as they 
painted out to be. Yeah, but when, the you hive really the <laughs> when you secure the bag, when you secure the bag, it's uh, the lows are really low. Yeah, but it's not everyone who makes it uh, to the highs because it's such a cutthroat endeavor. The system is designed. We go to school mm-hmm. uh, to become the best employees we can be, to be the most attentive, the one person who listens to instructions, etc. So when you decide I want to do my own thing, you're literally going against ten years of or twelve years of education. Yeah. And trying to instill in you the value of uh the value of being the best employee you can be. So that's why you find that well, this is my personal opinion though. That's why you find that a lot of these entrepreneurs the, the, the actual people that really make it, most mm-hmm. of them are dropouts. Have you noticed? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I have noticed. Because the system, the school system is designed to, to, to make you the best employee you can be. So if you excel in the school system, that means, um, this is my personal opinion, please, I'm not bashing anyone, because you can make a lot of money in the formal uh, job market. A lot yeah. of money. Definitely. And it's mm-hmm. less it's less risky than being your own boss or whatever. Mm-hmm. And these days, it seems like um, entrepreneurship is being glamorized by media, Hollywood, and everything. And yeah. it seems like it's the path to take. But we can't all be uh, business owners. Someone has to be an employee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a business owner, you are going to employ people. So someone has to step into that role. So I definitely um, agree with that. And sometimes I think for, for those people that try their hand at entrepreneurship and it's a struggle from day one to infinity, they're taking on the path that's actually not for them and they're going, you know, they're going about things the, the incorrect way. Because if it's really not for you and it's not your calling and it doesn't come as second nature, then it's just a waste of time. I like but, what you say there. Second nature, so I like the, it. The one thing then that you said about how school doesn't teach us to be entrepreneurs, then do you then think taking up a degree um, in business management, even entrepreneurship, they have courses like that, uh, say even a master's in entrepreneurship, is that a waste of time? Wow, that's a that's a very direct question that I can't <laughs> answer as directly. Mm. What I think is a lot of people can go to to school and learn theology. Mm-hmm. Some people do not even go to school to learn theology. Some people just become prophets or pastors just from the get-go. Yeah. I think the same applies to entrepreneurship, uh, being an innovator, being your own person. It's a calling. If you read the books of all these guys that have, that have been successful in that calling, you know, you hear funny stories like, I dreamt about this innovation. <laughs> You know, you hear funny stories of how 
you know, similar to that Bible story where the guy was supposed to go in a certain direction. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, he refused. But then the, the, the whale swallowed him and... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> you need to edit that out. <laughs> it's not coming out. <laughs> but okay, we move, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you, you hear the story of the guy in the Bible who was swallowed by the fish. Name was Jonah. Jonah, right. mm. yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. Um, it it tells you that if you're meant to go in a certain direction, you're gonna go in that direction, what no matter what. For you is meant for you. Mm. That's how I feel about entrepreneurship. If you go mm. to school, you can learn what you learn, but if it's not for you, it's not for you. Yes, you can learn and become so successful to a certain degree. Yeah. But ultimately, this is about passion. For me, I can wake up at 2 in the morning and not have sleep for the next five hours thinking about a particular innovation, a particular technology, a particular way of doing things, and it's a local setting in Zimbabwe. Okay. That's me. And I can go for three days without having proper sleep thinking about that. And you think people That's in me. formal employment don't go through that? <laughs> I do not know. But that is me. So you heard the story where they say um, if you think about the color yellow you constantly see the color yellow everywhere you go. Yeah. If you constantly think about opportunities, you're going to see opportunities in every situation in life, which is me. Mm-hmm. Now, how is it possible to be that person when 99% of the time you're superior is breathing down your neck to fulfill a target for someone else yeah well i'd say in formal employment um depending on your role i know what um i think what a lot of companies actually benefit from is people that are actually quite innovative in the way that they handle their work complete a task and find ways to actually make the whole work-life experience better and swifter and more efficient. So yes, you can have, you know, your boss breathing down your neck, but if you can really come up with better ways of doing things that will not only save the company time, but also money, I'm sure that will be welcome with open arms. And I'd say in your case, as much as informal employment you have a boss breathing down your neck. Are you not pushed by your clients for results? Is that not the other end of being an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's very tricky. Um, there's so many instances and exceptions to to the rule. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, 
<laughs> with each and every instance and exception, there comes challenges and results. You know what I mean? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, with everything there comes challenges and then yeah, you get results. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean if if you're geared to be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and you you're in formal employment, what's gonna happen is most of the time you're going to be seeing opportunities in that line of business that you're in. And so yeah. you find that people tend to start doing side hustles in the same line of business yeah yeah definitely which also goes back to uh the question that i just posed um earlier where you know i mean this day and age everyone keeps talking about having multiple streams of income because one income is just not enough to sustain you know a desired lifestyle so fine putting the people in formal employment aside for you as an entrepreneur already you're doing your own thing but are you like running multiple projects at the same time and also if you are going to be like a jack of all trades but master of none is it worth it is it even worth it like yeah you get it do you just want to perfect one craft or do you want to have your hand in everything? Personally, my calling is to be a serial entrepreneur. That's my calling. Okay, um, and then um, the practical side of that, how has that worked out? It hasn't. It's been very mm-hmm. difficult. But if I give up now, yeah, my soul will not rest. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, so that's why I was saying it's 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 a calling, you know. It it will never make sense to someone from um, just a direct conversational point of view. Why am I so convicted to? Why do I have so much conviction? Sorry, to yeah. to move in a certain direction. Why? It never makes sense. Why don't you just go out and get a job? You know, Cedric, you're so talented in this area, you'll get a job. You know, so many people, mm-hmm. uh, they'll hire you. They know you're qualified, they'll hire you, you know. But then, for me, true satisfaction comes from exploring the ability to innovate, to yeah. change lives and even create employment. So I've been struggling so much because I'm I'm very passionate about renewable energy. Mm -hmm. I'm very passionate about climate change. I'm very passionate about creating employment for young people. So what often happens is I've got different facets of uh, different initiatives I'm pushing in that direction. Yeah. Now, Corona came about while I was trying to push my solar initiative. Mm-hmm. We were told there's a lockdown. Yeah. Then I thought, uh, should I 
sit on my laurels or what's going to happen. So if you're constantly looking for opportunity, mm-hmm. you will see opportunity. That's how we came about to do the hands-free sanitizer. And when we started to do it, initially we were just like, no, this is just to to make sure that we get through the lockdown phase. Yeah. But now, right now, as I'm speaking to you, it's a Sunday. It's 5.30. I'm sitting on an order that's due tomorrow at 8 in the morning. And we're pushing the hands-free sanitizer drums. You know, it's already taken up much... Mm. It's already taken up much of my time. And I'm getting so much um, satisfaction from from working on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. I personally I hate weekends. I told you that earlier. Yeah. And being at work on a Sunday and being able to control your own schedule just makes life worth going through the phases. And being able to get an order, being able to deliver the order. You know, if you check my WhatsApp status right now, I mm-hmm. did um I did a a hands-free sanitizer challenge. <laughs> so I lined up like six drums. I hope you can post yeah. this up with the, with this recording. <laughs> I lined we'll up like six drums and I, mm-hmm. and I tried to to do a run through of sanitizing all my hands on all six drums. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's just funny. It's hilarious. But anyway. Mm-hmm. To me, it's it's fulfilling, as opposed yeah. to as opposed to uh, being a guy that's working from Monday to Friday, and then having drinks with the guys Friday and Saturday, and sundowners on Sunday, and then getting ready for a working week from Monday to Friday. I'm not bashing working, but personally, uh, this is more fulfilling. I'd rather be in control of my time Mm -hmm. deciding when do I go to work when do I go home even if I'm working a 12 hour day for instance today I started at 7 I'm probably going to come around 10 Mm -hmm. tomorrow I'll probably start at 7 again but I might finish at 12 you know then other days they're really low I might have a week of nothing to eat (laughs) wow (laughs) Yeah, so I might have a week of no money at all to my name. I might have a week that's so busy. Mm-hmm. But that's the journey of entrepreneurship. And I hope uh, with this um, recording that we're doing, uh, we can follow through to the day I actually uh, break bank and make a substantial amount from, from hustle. Now, we will definitely follow the story very closely and, yeah, just follow the journey and take it to, to the very end. So, while we're on this topic, um, the other thing that I just wanted to know from you is how you actually plan on growing your business. Like, what are the steps that you're taking to get to that big day where you break bank you secure the bag and yo it's just so, cash moving everything around you yeah 
so the biggest thing I need to do right now is um, secure some intellectual capital, property, mm-hmm. sorry, <laughs> with um, some of the initiatives that I'm trying to do. Yeah. Uh, specifically in regards to solar. Mm-hmm. So this uh, drum initiative is going to provide seed funding for all my other initiatives. So you find that um, there's certain things that I need to do, like feasibility studies mm-hmm. uh, for some of the solar farms that I want to do, you know, employ a couple of people that are qualified in that area. Yeah. So the revenue from this is going to go in that direction, basically. To fund that. Exactly. Okay. The other thing that I, while we're actually on this topic of funding, how easy is it um, to actually get access to funding in Zimbabwe? It's not. So it's not easy, but it's possible. It's very possible. The money is out there. The money is out there. Is it taxpayers' money that the government, you know, hands out? Yeah. Is it, you know, private investors? Who's actually doing growth in in Zimbabwe? Is it more of the private sector? Is the government doing anything at all? There's money everywhere, okay? The government has money, um, has got initiatives that it pushes through. Yeah. And some people benefit from those. Private sector, you know, there's initiatives that come from the private sector. Some people benefit from those. There's um, initiatives from individuals. Some people benefit from those. You know, the money is out there, but it's not easy to get to that money. So I remember I had a meeting with one of those very top guys, and he said, your ideas are very good. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you come with the right idea to the wrong person. But then they should just direct you to the right people. Isn't that uh, how let it works? Let me continue. Sometimes you come with the right idea to the wrong person. Sometimes mm-hmm. you come to the right... Sometimes you come to the right person with the right idea, but at the wrong time. Oh, but guys, why sometimes, does it make it so complicated? It's, it's it's really not that complicated, but it's yeah. But then for you to the to reality, be, yeah, it's the reality of how life works. You know, um, a lot of people were approached. No, everywhere. No, a lot of but people I, were, I disagree. But go on. Mm. A lot of people were approached to invest in Amazon, mm-hmm. Facebook when it started, Google, and a lot of people turned it down. A lot of people could have bought shares at that time. Yeah. A lot of people didn't do it. A lot of people, um, if you follow the Netflix story, mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos um, offered $15 million for Netflix, was it in 1999? Netflix turned it down. The executives turned it down. The owners, the founders. Now it's worth 185 Okay, so are you saying this is the common story or these are just outliers? Because honestly, I just think if you're talking about money that the government has and that money is available for citizens to utilize for the economic benefit of the country, 
surely you cannot tell me that I'm approaching the wrong person at the wrong time, because if this is, you know, government funds that are for the benefit of the country, the information should be up there on the government's website or government whatever. And they need to give you the detail of the right people to talk to and the right time to talk to those people. So that's just where I disagree when it comes to... Oh, okay, sorry, yeah, just like to put clarity. Mm. No, just to put clarity, I was talking about an individual. This was a, mm. uh, he's, he's quite a, he's a multi-millionaire. He's a private individual. It wasn't government. Yeah. So this private individual, I was pitching to him. Mm-hmm. And then he told me this. However, when it comes to government, mm. um, I cannot speak for the processes of government, but I can tell you from my experiences yeah. that sometimes you can come with something that is possibly outlandish. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can come with something that does not speak to the particular scenarios of your region. And yeah, that's, that's you can attest. You can attest mm-hmm. to. You can attest to to my personal testimony. Uh, two weeks ago, I entered a competition where I thought I was a shoe in to win mm-hmm. with the drum. Yeah. And I lost out. I lost out to a guy that was pitching something that did not even have a prototype. He was pitching to teach rural people how to make soap. I came in with a prototype saying, this is already done. Wait, let me finish. This is already done. Mm -hmm. This is already there. We just need to roll it out. If you fund me, then we're already fighting Corona. But the judges in that scenario... I just want to go back to this this, situation because I know I was also following this um, competition. Is it the person who said they were going to teach women specifically women yeah. have to make soap. And I remember even asking, why is this, why is this skill, skills development gender-based? Why in 20, That's the one. why are we only teaching women to make soap? Why can't the men also learn how to make soap? Like, That's the one. That's oh my one. gosh, I'm so but disappointed. <laughs> oh my God. But, but you see now, I, I came in with a technology that was ready but because the panel that was uh, judging and viewing mm-hmm. said that what's more applicable to what we're looking for is a it's scenario where... Women how to make soap. Wow. Exactly. And they gave him the money. But I, had to, I was so disheartened. And uh, I was taken aback. But anyway, you mm. keep going. You see the yeah, highs and the anyways, lows. Yeah, no judgment. And in, in, in this case, honestly... Um, when it comes to stuff like this, the competition, and sometimes when it comes to pitching to a board, pitching to a panel, unfortunately, you just need to understand that the judgment is going to be in someone else's hands. So it's about and they, the way their that view they, of life. Yes, exactly. The way that they understand things, the logic that they apply to certain things, and also the kind of exposure that they've had. So for the people that honestly chose the soap making, over, you know, the Oasis, they had a particular mm-hmm. view in mind. That's them. We're not here to judge, you know, how they think their thought process and whatever it is that they discussed, you know, in the back room. But at the end of the day, um, yeah, I think that's just one thing that you as an entrepreneur just 
you just know from the get-go that when it comes to talking to anything that has the human factor in there, you need to know that you're, there's going to be a whole lot of room for, you know, differences in interpretation, understanding, and possibly uh, where these guys, how these guys even see this thing going forth. True. Mm. The guys are working through the night tonight, so the delivery is due at 8 in the morning sharp. And uh, we're busy just trying to paint the drums and see how that goes. You know, there's a lot of long hours that come with this. But it's it's gratifying, so to speak. Yeah. It's worth it. It's worth it. Uh, I can understand mm. someone who's so passionate about their job. They're, mm. they're there at the office on time. And they're the last one to leave because they're so passionate about accounting or whatever else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like like I said, we're not here to bash anyone's choices or where they're at, but just to shine a light on what the entrepreneurship journey is like and how it's actually been for you. So True. you've said that you're happy and you know, you would you really would you can't see yourself doing anything, but um if there was one thing that you could change about this journey what would you change um like i told you earlier mm. uh, someone told me that this is a puzzle and each and every part of the journey is a piece of the puzzle one day all the pictures will the pieces will come together to give you a clearer picture of yeah. what it's all about so to be honest to say i can identify one thing that i'll say i want to change or maybe I'll more things <laughs> not just one thing be, but a lot of things yeah i'll, I'll be lying to you mm. however there's also sayings that do the rounds that say the the beauty of everything is in the journey and not yeah. the destination. The destination. Uh, so you, you're driving to Bulawayo. Your experience from leaving Harare, preparing to leave Harare, getting to every toll gate, every small town along the way to Bulawayo. That's five to six hour drive. Some people do it in four hours. <laughs> but yeah, that mm -hmm. five to six hour drive. Yeah. Your experiences along the way, the stories you talk about with your family, friends, or whoever you're traveling with. But what if it's you know, a solo journey, which I think isn't entrepreneurship normally that? So let's have it um, as a solo no, journey. Mm. That'll be um, no disrespect. Yeah. It would be naive to think that entrepreneurship is solo. Now, this is very important. Entrepreneurship is a burden on your friends and family okay but it can be it can be psychological it can be emotional it can be financial that's very important because where you're not picking up um the pieces be it psychologically because sometimes some of the things that you see that people don't see can have you mapped out to be nuts 
when you're not picking up the burden emotionally because sometimes you're not available to give emotional time to those people that matter because you're focusing on trying to achieve this certain target or goal. Where you're not winning financially, you're either borrowing or being a burden on someone else. So to say that entrepreneurship is a solo journey would be a bit selfish on the entrepreneur's part. Realistically speaking, it affects everyone around that person's life. Yeah, so I totally understand what you're saying. But in this um, hypothetical situation, where we're talking about you driving from Harare to Bulawayo, as an entrepreneur, even if, say, I am walking this journey with you, I'm not physically walking this journey with you every single step of the way. You get it? So I'm saying that this journey from Harare to Lawayo, you're driving it actually by yourself. Even though you stop in Kadoma and you phone me and I'm on the phone or we're chatting the whole way, we're texting the whole way, or, you know, I gave you something to take with on the journey. That is how I am present. I am in and out. I am there when you need me, but I'm not physically with you the whole way. That's how I see it. That's how I see the solo journey. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, so I get what you're saying. This, how is this journey, you know, like if we're to look at it from, from that side, like, yes, obviously you, you're never going to be like alone, alone, but it's not like the people that are with you are holding your hand 100% of the way and they are not actually physically there 100% of the way. Yeah, I mean, if you want to put it that way, mm. then you can talk about the psychological and emotional aspect of it. Because the highs uh, are really, really, really high for you. Mm-hmm. They can be high for everyone around you, supporting you. But because you're the one who's speeding uh, between Kwekwe and Gweru, yeah. you're seeing it. It's really, really high. When you get to Bulaway and you tell people you did Kwekwe and Gweru in 30 minutes, mm-hmm. they're excited for you, but they were not in that experience where you, you had a near miss, yeah, feel that you had a near miss with a with with a with an eighteen wheeler, you know, uh, <laughs> that type wow. of thing. But mm. but but you know, at the end of the day, if you crash on that journey, what is the impact to those people waiting for you in Bulawayo? What is the impact to those people that you left in Harare? Mm-hmm. What is the impact? to the person you had a head-on collision with. There's always repercussions to anything that happens in an entrepreneur's life, you know. So, I mean, it's a selfish endeavor where if you are really successful, you can benefit mankind, but it might take a toll on your family life. Kind of like, I'll liken it to Nelson Mandela where he had um, his dream for Africa, dream for South Africa, so to speak. 
but yeah. that took a toll on his personal life with his family. Mm. And I, I remember watching one interview where one of the children was saying, we never knew Utata, but mm-hmm. Utata was everyone else's Tata, but he never had time for us. Yeah. It is, it is difficult. So it's bad but, for, you know. But entrepreneurship, that's why I like to, to call it a calling. Mm-hmm. Innovation, entrepreneurship, um, being your own person is a calling. Because the day I get to employ 50 people gainfully and have those 50 people earning above average salaries, mm-hmm. wow. 50 people can turn out to me empowering 150 people if those 50 people are taking care of five people in turn. But you don't even need 50 people under you. Like, I work for a very small company, and in total, I'd say um, we are not more than 15. For me, um, given the different ventures yeah. that I do, some of them will see me employing quite a large number of people. Mm-hmm. Right now, for the drum initiative, I'm actually looking at four people in front of me. One is yeah. doing spray painting. The other one is fitting the sinks. The other guy is doing the lifting. And then we've got um, one guy doing... Um, the the welding of the other parts. So I've got four people in front of me right now. And I'm doing this venture with my colleague as well. So there's the two of us. So you've got six different individuals here. And those yeah. six different individuals will in turn probably pass on whatever income comes from the sale of one drum to other people in their lives. Now that to me is major. Now imagine we're just doing five drums and I've got six people here. We're mm-hmm. six people here. And we're just doing five drums. Yeah. Imagine if we get an order of a thousand, how many other people can we employ? Yeah. Yeah. A lot. And that's, this is just the drum initiative. Bear in mind, the drum initiative is just for COVID-19 response. Mm-hmm. Our main initiative is solar and renewable energy. Yeah. No, but that's that's the yeah. thing. It's that we not highlight this, I mean, earlier. Where we talk yeah, about it's really um, being, being an entrepreneur. Like, I mean, you are really just trying to um, respond to a call or a need or a demand that's currently in the market. So right now, COVID True. is what it is. And this is where we're at and this is what's required. So that is what we'll go for. Renewable sure. energy is a need across the world. And I think it's something that Zimbabwe will definitely benefit a lot from. So I'd say, yeah, honestly, keep keep doing what you're doing. And with Thank climate you. change also, like it's something that the whole world really needs to look at. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. So um, before we let you go, um, to anyone who is thinking of um, 
becoming an entrepreneur, what would you like to tell them? So whether they're currently in formal employment or whether they are still studying and this is the kind of journey that they would like to get into, what wise words would you like to leave for them today? Do what makes you happy. Because you never find <laughs> money is not money is not important. To be honest, when I used to be told this, I I I'm I'm I'm, I'm religiously about money. <laughs> mm. When I used to be told this that money is not important, money doesn't matter. I never used to believe it because I'm religiously about money. But ultimately, what did uh what's her face say? Uh, I think it was. Ariana. <laughs> no, but there's some there's some problems that are emotional. There's some yeah. problems that are psych psychological. And you know, you and help. you can get a therapist for that, and that requires money. It's not a guarantee that you can heal after going through therapy. It's not. But you can talk start, about it. It's a start. It's a start. But you can talk about it, but it's not a guarantee. Yeah. That's but the that's, truth. that's the thing with anything. Even if you go like uh, into theater and the surgery, it's not a guarantee that you're going to come out all right. But it's still, you know, a step towards trying to get better. That's just what it True, is. True, but then the important thing is push what makes you mm-hmm. happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's if if you can't sleep at night because your your gut is telling you that uh, go out and make a change, then you need to do that. You yeah. know, personally, I can't rest. Like I told you earlier. I can't rest until I I do something to to make an impact for my country, for my skin color, mm-hmm. for my race. You know, mm-hmm. um, I want to make a change, and I want to make a change that's generational. Yeah, yeah. I want I want it to um to last the next six hundred years. My impact has to last past mm-hmm. that. That's what I'm trying to do. That's my calling. Yeah. So if it's with the the drums, if they pop off and that's the direction I'm supposed to go, I will maintain that trajectory until mm-hmm. it's achieved. And if it's with something else, then I will go in that direction. Yeah. But uh, like you said, it's a calling, and I'm sure the right piece of the puzzle will find you just where you're supposed to be. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hey. I think I have to go yeah. back to work now. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us. Give us all the tea on the journey of being an entrepreneur. Uh, so if people do want to get a, a hold of you and just get more information on um, the Oasis drum that you're working on, on any other ventures, on your um, 
experience, um, experiences, uh, where can they reach you? Reach me on WhatsApp. Okay. Plus two six E. Mhm. Seven eight. Mhm. Four nine two. Double eight one five. Okay, just repeat that number for us. Plus two six three. Seven eight. Four nine two. Double eight one five. I mean, I'm happy to interact. I'm happy to inspire. I'm happy to do business. In the near future, I want to do a crowdfunding initiative for solar farms for those in the um, in the diaspora, so to speak. <laughs> okay. Where you can actually partner with uh, my company and have a share of um, of energy generated in your home country. So that'll be something interesting to look forward to in the future. Uh, reach out, let's talk um, the drums. Let's talk about that. If you want a drum for your institution, a lot of schools are really uh, interested in the drums mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, um, like I mean, talk... with the COVID restrictions, lockdown restrictions that are uh -huh. actually just beginning to ease as we're seeing it across the world. Uh, people do need these things at their institutions, so yeah. And if we're, we're talking artificial intelligence, I'm big on that as well. I don't know much about it, but I'm I'm very keen on on uh, being part of that revolution. Robotics, I'm keen on that as well. Climate change, I'm very passionate about that. Hit me up. Let's talk. I'm always open, even just to inspire someone or get inspired by someone. I'm looking for mentors all the time. You know, you can never have enough of those. Yeah. And yeah, let's all win, man. Uh, Jay-Z said, uh, no one wins when the family feud doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What's better yeah. than one billionaire, too? <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, this, this is the year. This is where, you know, we, we all sit up everyone in our circles to just keep winning and stay winning so cedric once again thank you so much for joining us and guys thank you so much for listening to today's episode uh if you do want to get in touch with tsa we are on instagram and our handle is t.tsa that's t-e-a.y-e-s-e -E. so thanks again guys and yeah we'll chat soon okay <laughs> you rock. <laughs> Cheers. Bye.